Let's drop the green flag on this episode of the Talent Tank Podcast with your host, Wyatt Pemberton, bringing you the best, fastest, most knowledgeable personalities in Ultra 4 and off-road racing. This episode of the Talent Tank brought to you by three amazing partners, Custom Splice Off-Road Recovery Equipment, Brannick Motorsports Custom Machine, and Magnitude Performance, a masked motorsports company. Enjoy. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. The Talent Tank back in session. Today we have the oldest 21-year-old you've ever met, Stan Haynes, Fort Wayne, Indiana, Brannick Motorsports. Mr. Brannick, Stan, how are you this morning? What? I am fine as frog hair. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? Have you seen frog hair? They don't have it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I Yeah, all right. So, Stan, I've known you since 2008. XRA days, but you've been around for literally back when uh, they were racing covered wagons. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I do. I kind of lump you in with, you know, like Brian Shirley and like a Doug Jackson. That you guys are so young at heart and so just these friendly faces, good dudes that are, you know, up in years. And, and I, I don't even, I don't look up to you like a grandfather or fatherly figure. I look at you as like, man, you're like, you're the guy to keep up with. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Wyatt. I think what we do does keep us young to a certain degree. And it also shows up our uh, little squeaks, so to speak, just Real happy to live the life I've lived. I've, uh, as they say, I'm a really blessed man. Thank you. No, I, I, man, notice you won't get dispute from me on that. You are a smiling face, a bright, shining light at any event that we're at. You know, every time I see you, it's always, it's not a handshake. It's like a big old hug and you're like, what's going on? And then it's usually you're like throwing somebody fireball shots. So (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's how we roll. So what's your secret? I don't know. Uh, always looking for the next thrill. Uh, I enjoy life. I've got a great wife. That's probably the biggest secret I've got. She's my secret weapon. We've been together for a while now. This year we'll be celebrating 45 years married life. Truly amazing. That's, that is a monumental milestone. Every year, a becomes more and more of a reality that it is a milestone. I uh, have two great kids, five great grandkids. They're all totally into Brannock. Uh, I've got a granddaughter right now as we speak is out pulling parts out of a parts catcher out of a CNC lathe. She's 11 years old. Put them to work young. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when they can't go to school, they're going to school at Brannock. That's for sure. Well, let's kind of get into this. Uh, you, you guys there, Brandon, you're in Fort Wayne, Indiana. You're a big supporter of mine. I've been a big supporter of yours. You've done you know many projects for me, and we'll go into those later. You support the Talent Tank. You're one of the, the, the three shops that you know came on to support this whole thing for this kind of next run to defray cost and allow me to continue to put out uh, fun and good and insightful content. But there at the shop we've kind of got this whole thing going on in the country with COVID-19 and shelter in place and essential work. You guys are still working, but you guys are skeleton staffed. If I got, got that right from Brandon, your son, a few weeks ago, 
Yeah, we're a small seven-man shop. Uh, we do consider ourselves essential. We do have a government cage code. Yeah, we're we're small. We take everybody's temperature every morning. We do the things that you've been watching on, you know, the television as far as distancing. But with 10,000 square feet here, we don't have too much of a problem with seven people and keeping their distance. Everybody's got their own job. We're washing our hands constantly. As I said, we every morning make sure everybody's okay. We take our temperature, a little uh, thermometer to the forehead. And uh, we've got, you know, we, we do have employees that come from out of the family and uh, we have no idea what they're doing every day. We do trust pretty much that they're minding their P's and Q's, but uh, we're, we're making it through. We're as busy as we've ever been. We don't know how long that's going to last. Make hay while the sun shines. Yeah, we just have to. And we do some work for the automotive OEM stuff and which we deem ourselves essential. <laughs> I hope everybody out there deems themselves essential to this great country we live in. And, you know, it's getting to a point, Wyatt, where I think we all need to start paying a little bit more attention to the Constitution, to our rights, to our Bill of Rights, to uh, civil liberties. And, uh, oh, I've got all kinds of friends up in Michigan, the the Gilbert boys are just struggling right now with, with their uh, government. So many people up there and across the country that are saying to themselves, hey, wait a minute. We, we live in America, and the numbers aren't adding up. As each day goes by, we, we're, uh, I think, waking up a little bit more every day. My prayers go out to all of them and make sure everybody's fine and healthy and happy and free. And I can echo that, you know, and then some. Yeah, I, I did see the the Gilbert boys were you know driving around part of that protest in Lansing in the last couple of days. Their governor has you know shut down everything, just just everything except for the state. That just seems seems wrong. And you're right, you know the trampling of rights. Uh, you know, I saw a family riding in my neighborhood riding bicycles with their masks on, and I'm like, you're outside, you're riding a bike, you're interacting with your family. What do you what do you need a mask for for that? Or, you know, driving in the commute. I'm going to tell you, uh, being here in Houston, it doesn't feel like there's a shelter-in-place order. When you're out, every parking lot's packed. There's still traffic jams. If there is something, I feel like Texas has kind of returned to work on their on their own. And we haven't seen any huge blow-up in numbers. And the numbers seem to be sketchy at best. I don't I don't know. I'm not a, certainly not a, an expert or specialist on viruses or, or anything of the sort. But... I do fancy myself a little bit of a constitutionalist and the rights that we've just seen taken away in the face of fear is, is scary. And I know no one dials into this show to, to listen to, to us talk about politics and current environment. But man, <laughs> I, right. I, I think they do dial in knowing, you know, a lot of us here in the off-road community, we're kind of birds of a feather flock together. We all kind of are like-minded individuals. We like to either get in the shop and make cool stuff or get out and enjoy what's out there. We're not guys that are sitting on the couch. We're not guys that are, you know, staring at a TV blankly for hours and hours on end. We're, we're doers. And this current environment has really put a kibosh, a, a damper on the, uh, on the doers. Uh, I couldn't set that any better. I, I do hold Texas high 
high on my uh, list of places that uh, might be the last place standing in this country. I know there's a whole, there's good people and places everywhere in the country. And uh, my heart goes out to everybody, but uh, Texas is a, has a soft spot in my heart for sure. For sure. So you guys, uh, have you noticed any delays or timing issues or slips in schedule for uh, what, what you guys have going on there at Brannick? Um, not really. The first week I had a guy come in and he had a cold and he had a girlfriend that uh, was a nurse and they had some sniffles and all of a sudden, you know, this thing just started and I was ready to send everybody home. I was ready. I was, you know, spooked, as they say, the media had had me spooked. And uh, next day, she's fine. He's fine. And we go on. And uh, that did prompt the thermometer every day. And we're still doing that just to do our part. Other than that, no, our first week, we had more orders come in than I believe the average. I haven't really run the numbers on it yet, but just done phenomenal up until today. I'm waiting this morning for you. I've uh, had four orders come in already, and from axles to unit bearings to dry flange kit. From that standpoint, right now, we're, we're all good. When the money all runs out and people don't get back to work, I'm sure that'll all change. And what we're doing right now is we're trying to build a little inventory to stay ahead of that and put out our daily orders. But to answer your question in a, in a short answer, no, no. That's good. That's wonderful. That's exactly what I want to hear. So, Stan, you, we're totally going to get into your interview, but I want to do you justice here. How old are you now? Um, like you said, 21. 21. <laughs> no, I, 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 I was born in 52. I'll be 68 this year. And you just finished King of the Hammers less than two months ago. I guess we're, I need to look at a, a yeah, two months ago. Yeah. I set out uh, 2020 uh, support my buddy, Jody Ford. I did race and finished 22nd and 19, and uh, I am going to be back in 21. So if we have it, I hope we have it. <laughs> oh, we'll have it. We'll, we'll have it. So does that, I mean, I haven't gone out. I don't think anyone keeps stats on this, but I think you're the, the oldest finisher of the Hammers, oldest racer, oldest active racer for sure, right? I don't know about that. Jason Shipman's. I don't know. I don't really don't know how old he is. I know I'm a little bit older than Brian Shirley, but he stepped out a couple of years ago. Doug Jackson, I, I he's kind of hung up his hat. Both of them are into airplanes. When it, so are you going to retire and get into airplanes? Oh, I'll always get in an airplane. I've threatened to get into an airplane with Doug, and I'll jump out of that sucker. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, right? That's right. Let's roll into this. So you mentioned earlier your wife Marilyn. 45 yeah. years coming up, right? Yeah, that's right. Man, congratulations. She's a solid rock, huh? Oh, she's my biggest fan. Uh, she's the biggest pain in my butt sometimes, but I'm sure I'm a way bigger pain in her butt. She's stepped back a little bit and taking care of grandkids and, and uh, everything as far as going to races. XRA days, she was at every race and biggest fan and team cook and rally girl and... Uh, but she still is in, in a different capacity, and uh, I just love her to death. I couldn't say enough about her. She's She is my uh, rock, for sure. And then I didn't put it together, actually, until just pre-prepping for this interview, that where the Brannick name came from. I was Stan from Brannick or Brandon from Brannick, but you're Stan Haynes, and then that you have a daughter. You have Brandon, your son, who runs operations there with you at Brannick, but you have Nicole, and the name of the business is 
Brandon, Nicole, Brand, Nick. That's right. About 95, I was working, 95, 96, I uh, had to go out of state for work. I worked out of state for three years, and the whole time, every I'd come back on weekends. And through that whole course, Brandon was just getting, uh, you know, his working legs on and everything, and getting into motorsports more and more, following old dad here. And I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to form a little club and call it Brannick Motorsports. And then Brandon, the first, it's an acronym for Brandon and, and Nicole. And it just started it out as a, on a, you know, here, this is our little family club and uh, got to the point where, okay, I'm ready to, it's do or die as far as doing something that I've dreamed about my whole life and own, owning my own business. I'd been working for the man all my life and ran several companies for the man. And I said, well, I'm going to start a business and it's going to be called Brannock Inc. Had to come up with something. So it had been around for a minute and uh, started the company. And now people are like you are kind of surprised that uh, my last name's not Brannock, but it's Stan Haynes. So that's how it all started. The name. And it's stuck, and uh, now it's now it's a brand. No, it absolutely is, and it's you know I've seen Team Indiana. Everyone has kind of heard those guys. It started you know Team Texas. Well, Indiana, it's you guys even have some adoptees in there. You've got you know uh, some Maryland in there. You've got some South Carolina in there. But you guys are kind of uh, even back in the XRA days were kind of the pillar by which everyone kind of. I'm going to say, actually, I'm going to back, 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 back that up a little bit. Uh, kind of like the magnetic pole that everyone kind of was that gravitated towards you guys, you and Brandon. And then you guys had, you know, guys like Roscoe and Dino and MacGyver. These are all crazy names, right? They're just part of your circle. You, you know, you've got all the Purdue guys, you know, was that Purdue off-road club with uh, Jonathan Tarhoon, Nate, Jesse, there's a pile of them and they've all. To put it into words, I'm struggling with the right words for it, but you guys have kept that kind of torch lit for so many years and people have continued to gravitate towards you and you're not going anywhere. You're like this rock and there's no, you're not coming into racing for a couple of years and getting out and, you know, fading off or whatever that is. You guys have been here, you know, been in for, you know, two decades and certainly hardcore off-road since 05, 06, 07. That's right. A little bit before Team Indiana got, we we did a thing back when we first started the shop. We did it for several years. The first Friday of every month, we would shut the shop down, clean the shop, and I would have what we called Hot Dog Friday. That turned into really big in Fort Wayne, and we were pulling people in from Indy, you know, the Purdue guys, John Trahune, Daryl Mattingly, Mike DeVore. They would be take the trip first Friday of every month up to fort wayne to participate in hot dog friday and it was nothing but clown games and eating hot dogs and having some beverages and uh usually it ended up when the sun came up on saturday morning and usually it'd have a house full of people crashed on the floor or wherever in their cars hopefully not in jail but uh hot dog fridays turned into a pretty big thing and it eventually had to it had to cease because it just got in the way of work too much. But uh, in the beginning, it was uh, it was probably one of those catalysts that started Team Indiana I, in its own way. I'm sure the the pork guys, you know, from 
Purdue and everything, they had their own beginnings too, but it all kind of gelled into Team Indiana. And uh, today we almost have a full block long section of hammers that we all pit together, help together, party together. And uh, I know we we're kind of like the uh, the loud generator in the in the hammer town. Sometimes we're the the neighbor hater, but uh, <laughs> neighbor we, hater uh, five thousand. Yeah, we uh, we do our best to respect everybody, and we have held the fireworks down recently. So I'm yeah. proud of Team Indiana. JT's happy about that. Everyone else <laughs> is disappointed. But uh, no, I mean fireworks in Hammertown just. As awesome as they are, they really shouldn't go together with as much race fuel as we've got sitting around there. That's true. If we, we probably should have had that mindset back uh, when we were participants at One Night Angelico. We, uh, they made the mistake in Jellico, Tennessee to put a fireworks stand right next to Jellico Motel. And uh, we, I think we every XRA race, we pretty much bought out the fireworks stand. And luckily we didn't burn down the motel, but... I think they lost their insurance after uh, an event. Yeah, that's right. And then shortly after Jellico Motel lost their insurance because of One Night in Jellico, it I would have to say it probably went almost viral on YouTube that uh, they lost their insurance and Sad. closed that up. And it went back to camping on site at Jellico. And, uh, and shortly after that, Mike and Jody hung up the XRA hat and that was that. And King of the Hammers had was in its infancy. Yeah. My uh, first trip out to King of the Hammers, I flew out and we got a motorhome in LA and uh, witnessed that in uh, 2009, 2010. I drug my XRA buggy out there, still had it. And I, maybe Dave will let me run the qualifier course just to see how fast we could go. And that didn't happen, but I did have a blast doing it. Then 2011, we were in. And from then on, it's... Every year. Every year. So we talked about your kids a little bit ago. And uh, many people that are familiar with you and familiar with Brandon and familiar with any of the racers out of Indiana do know Brandon. You know, Brandon's there, your right hand there at the shop. But you have a, a daughter, Nicole, school teacher? She's a school teacher. She Her birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday, Nicole. Again, they have... Three great kids, two boys and a girl, Colton, Caden, and Emmy. They're living large in Fort Wayne also. We, we're, it's kind of funny. We go to see them now and we hang out in their garage like we have to social distance there. But saw him last night. Colton, he's big, huge into baseball. He's got his sights on college. And Caden, he is he he's my gearhead. He just – I got him a go-kart for his birthday that needed a lot of work. He's worked solid being on shutdown here. And uh, last night he wrote it up and down the street for me. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, yeah, he, he's amazed me. Last night I took him granite stickers and he stickered his go-kart all up. So, and then Emmy is my little queen burger girl. Their, their last name is Burger. She's a sweetheart and just love them all to death. Brandon's two girls, Jalen and Maya, like I said, Maya's the youngest. She's back pulling parts out of a cart parts catcher helping her mom on the other CNC. Corinne's one of the employees here. She's on it. She fills in in the office, but and when that's not happening, she's running a CNC lathe, making adjustments, making 
cutter adjustments, uh, doing part checks and, uh, helps out in shipping. Also, she's, she's invaluable. When somebody says this is a small family owned business, this is not just family owned, this family employed family run. You got, you got three generations working in the shop today. That's right. That's right. And I'm really, really proud of it. We have a, you know, we have a couple other guys that are just aces for me. We'll go above and beyond. We try to take care of them the best we can. We're, we're blessed with work right now. So no problem, but who knows what's happening down the road for a while. And, uh, work-wise we're, we're golden. Do the grandkids like going to the lake with you? Oh my gosh. They, they're fish. I think they, I swear they've got gills. Wakeboarding, boating, fishing. It, we're chomping at the bit, as they say, to get back to the lake. Do you have one of those like lily pads that you roll off the back of the boat? Those, those, those foam things? Oh yeah. We have the lily pads. We have the pontoon. We got the fishing boat. We got a ski boat and uh, big holes of water, big holes in the water. We got plenty of them. <laughs> No. Yeah. A few years ago we went out, we, we got invited out with some, some friends of ours and I had not seen one of those lily pad things before. And they rolled that, th- you know, like, Whoa, what is this big roll of foam carpet? Like wait, and then we roll that thing out. Like, wow, we doubled the length of the boat. I mean, you know, we were already going to put, you know, the life jackets on upside down and put wearing like divers to float in the water while <laughs> partaking in some beverages. But man, that, that lily pad really makes the boating experience so much more, you know, certainly Midwest Lake stuff. Oh yeah. It's, it's the jungle gym for the water. It, it really is. We, we have one, our neighbors to either side of us have one and, uh, kids are on it constantly. It's, it's awesome. And they're not too bad to just hang out and have a beer also. What is the boating season there in Indiana is about a hundred days a year or. Yeah, we, we go from, uh, now (laughs) not so much today. We're, we're expecting four inches of snow today. You know, we've gone from 60, almost 70 degrees to today with snow. But normally we would be at the lake uh, right around now, pulling the shore station, putting the shore station back in the water, boats back in the water. We haven't done that this year yet. And then we'll go to end of September with, you know, plenty to do in between. Oh, that's that is awesome. Anything else you really like get doing with the grandkids? I mean, uh, you have the little legacies, and they're so cool. I'm kind of uh, I'm enjoying my own kids at this point, but I know at some point I'm going to be done with them. <laughs> yeah, not done, done, but you're just like okay, you're old enough, get get out, get away. Well, you know, Wyatt, I I felt the same way, but um, the grandkids coming on is like all right, I get a second chance. <laughs> I get to do some of the things I feel like probably back in the day, I was a little bit selfish and being so focused, being at work 16 hours a day or being the racetracks or doing pretty much my own thing with my kids growing up. But, and thank God my, my kids really didn't hold that against me. They saw it as what I do. But uh, with the grandkids, now I'm getting pretty excited about them getting coming of age to uh, partake in what got me here. And uh, hopefully the legacy will live on. I think what you guys have going as a family is very, very sweet. It's something you don't see that much in, in life anymore. The, the, the multi-generations all working together, but the, the kids get to see their dad and mom 
how hard they're working. They get to see grandpa still out there. He's swinging it. And that generation will then look forward and say, well, that's the expectation or that's, they set a standard versus you see a lot, you know, the parent comes home from, you know, two parents, dual income family. They've worked all day. They come home. They're, they're lucky to get, you know, food out on the table to eat, or they go out to eat and then they sit on the couch on their, on their cell phones. Yeah, that's right. And that's what the kids see. Exactly. Uh, when I was growing up, my mom and dad, we, I grew up on a farm. I think there's a lot to be said about kids that grow up on a farm or are familiar with uh, farm life that you learn a work ethic, number one, and a respect for the land, a respect for hard work with little pay. It teaches, I guess, mainly a, a work ethic that um, I've tried to maintain through my life. And it's such a, a joy to see that work ethic turn into my kids. And now my grandkids is uh, is a pretty amazing thing. Today, too many people don't have a real good example of work ethic in their families. Yeah, it's nice to see that prevailing for you guys. I'm kind of of the, of the same fruition. You know, I, I grew up on a farm as well. And, you know, my father-in-law will say, why I don't know anyone that works as hard as you do to play. Like you work so hard to play. And today though, I look at, man, I truly feel lazy. Like I do, I, for the most part, you know, the, this whole being stuck in the house and not going to the shop as much. And I'm enjoying, you know, spending times with my kids, but at the same time, I'm looking at my kids, you know, suburban American kids. I'm, I'm scared for them that like they're, there's no work ethic in them. I, I love them, but man, it's, I feel like, you know, we've spoiled them and they just, I don't know. It's frustrating. You know, you want the best for them. You want to set, you want to set your kids and your grandkids. You want to set them up for success, right? You want to tilt the playing field as heavy in their favor as possible, bias it even. And the world's working against us on that, especially right now with being stuck in our houses. Oh yeah. That, that's so much truth there. Wyatt. really? And it's pitiful because I am all about higher education, but it seems like we raise our kids the best we can. Then we send them off to this cesspool that is higher education these days that um, they're just getting indoctrinated. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of them listen to it. And I guess it's up to us to teach them right before they get there. So they don't listen to the BS and, uh, you know, go down the wrong path as far as work ethic and what's owed them and the, what I'm owed and the, the mentality that is getting taught to our kids via higher education, the media, their peers. Handouts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just the handouts. And uh, it does make you scared. But only thing we can do is teach our kids correctly. And uh, really, basically, to me, it's all right and wrong. I think it's absolutely our, our responsibility to spotlight those shortcomings in society and really point it out to our kids, point it out to our grandkids, you know, that that's not the norm that that's not right. And here's the reasons why it's not right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Total tangent, but stay tuned. Your talent tank isn't full yet. Do you know what the entire 2020 ultra four racing 4,400 class King of the hammers podium had in common brand motorsports custom machine. 
This small family-owned machine shop in Fort Wayne, Indiana, has been advancing off-road technology since 2003 by proud veteran owner Stan Haynes and his son Brandon, and a talent-heavy staff committed to pushing the motorsports performance envelope. If those names sound familiar, they should. Stan and Brandon have been off-road racers since before King of the Hammers was a thing, and both are pillars of Team Indiana. I'm always talking here on the talent tank about supporting those that support you. I'm struggling to think of a sanctioning body that Brandon hasn't supported in rock sports. Ultra 4, We Rock, Pro Rock, just off the top of my head. And I support these guys myself. My current daily driven pre-runner Chevy has numerous one-off custom pieces on it, from rear axle flanges to custom 5.8 inch lug nuts. I sent the crew at Brandon my ideas, and they made them a reality. Between the Brennick lines of Forge 4340 axle shafts all the way to their custom billet 300M shafts, Brennick has you covered with pretty much any custom axle shaft, any spline with no size or length restrictions. Need a rare oddball shaft for your Unimog? They have those as well. Sway bars, a large inventory of rod ends, big and small. They're amazing specialized lightweight racing brakes and unit bearings and numerous bolt patterns onto their line of custom carrier bearings and U-joints in 1480 and 1550 flavors. And I about missed mentioning their amazing milled out aluminum suspension components, 7075 billet aluminum links and trailing arms. If you haven't seen these, you're missing out on some very aesthetically pleasing pieces of hardware. Brennick prides themselves on quality, service, and value, proudly making parts that wear the Made in the USA moniker. No matter if it's for your daily driven Jeep, Toyota, Chevy Pre-Runner, or something more serious like your Rock Bouncer, Ultra 4, or Trophy Truck, you're covered with a call to Indiana. Did I mention I've met a land speed racing team that runs Brannick axles at over 300 miles an hour? Yeah. To ensure you eliminate your downtime while recreational wheeling this weekend, reduce your time in the shop turning wrenches on repairs, or looking to put your race car on the podium, call Stan and Brandon at Brannick, 260-467-1808, or on the web at BrannickMotorsports.com. Brannick is a full-service machine shop that can handle everything from one-off to production runs. If they don't have it, they can make it. Now, back to the show. Western Kentucky. You grew up in Western Kentucky on a farm. Mm-hmm. Where is that from, like, Paducah? I claim Paducah is our hometown, okay. but it's only because that's the only recognizable city. Actually, I'm from a small city right at the uh, Ohio and Mississippi meet. It's called Wycliffe, Kentucky. I was born in Carroll, Illinois, right across the river from Wycliffe. But we lived on a, a cattle farm and uh, raised a lot of tobacco. We did have hogs, of course, chickens and cats and goats and everything else. Fished on a farm pond. My first fishing was on a farm pond. That So, and all of my immediate family on my mom and my dad's side are still in that part of Kentucky. Not a whole lot of industry there. It's pretty much all farms. and uh, So, tobacco farming. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That, that seems pretty far north to have tobacco. We had a lot of tobacco uh, back when the government was subsidizing and, and everything for that, that it was pretty much a cash cow for the farms. Pretty much now it's rare to see a tobacco farm in Western Kentucky, but it got us through and you can debate all the pluses and minuses of tobacco all we want. We've, <laughs> we've heard enough of that, but yeah, we uh, did raise corn but mostly to feed the cattle. So my dad left the farm in Kentucky. We were pretty much dirt poor, even though we had hundreds of heads of cattle and 900 acres of farm. And, you know, people think of that as nothing but having a bunch of money, but it 
just a whole lot of cost and everything. And he moved to Fort Wayne to work at International Harvester via a, a cousin that was uh, higher up in International Harvester. And it stuck and we stayed. And now I claim Fort Wayne, Indiana is, is home. Uh, growing up, what like what do you want to do? Like, you know, a kid always wants to do something. What, what was yours? You know, I thought about that question quite a bit, and it, it, it just keeps coming back to being a race car driver. Growing up from a very early age, I'd say nine, 10, somewhere in there, I was papering my wall with Hot Rod Magazine pictures of cars and drawing cars and, you know, taking scrap lumber and building a go-kart out of lumber. <laughs> Pretty much, it, I would have to say, is what I wanted to do was be in the race car business and mainly being a race car driver. And, you know, we'll debate on the skill level there. I, I still get out and thrash on a race car, but um, I, I'm just proud to say that I've walked with some pretty big giants in the racing world, raced on the same track as Dale Earnhardt, raced uh, with a team that uh, owned a Dale Earnhardt car, a winning Dale Earnhardt car in ARCA. Always just dabble around with with the cars. I got into off road stuff via the army. <laughs> Let's jump there because uh, 1971 rolls around and Vietnam is going on hot and heavy. You get drafted. My draft number was 25. Uh, three months out of high school, I was off to see the man and got drafted. Spent my basic training in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Got sent to my AIT and. Fort Gordon, Georgia, for an M being an MP, and there I got orders for Vietnam. And uh, at that time, you know, it was pretty much being figured out that Vietnam was a cesspool, and it was kind of a, it was what it was. And uh, I decided I wanted to jump out of airplanes, so I volunteered to go. The only thing I volunteered in the Army was go airborne. Went airborne, got sent to jump school in Fort Benning, Georgia, and then got Sent to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, uh, with the 82nd Airborne. That kind of ixnayed my my orders for Vietnam because there was no airborne units in Vietnam at that time. So I spent uh, my Army career in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Went out and jumped as many jumps as I could possibly jump in the amount of time I had there, and uh, was one of the biggest things I got out of the out of the Army was going airborne and. Uh, Pretty good uh, work ethic and being up early, staying in shape, serving my country. And jumping out of perfectly good airplanes. I loved it. <laughs> now, there's there's more to that. You got, you got so much more out of the military because there's so much more to this story. You guys had Jeeps. Yep. And you got to spend a lot of time in North Carolina around Fort Bragg in a Jeep, wrecking them, wheeling them, getting them stuck, wrenching on them. And that's kind of where you ended up getting your uh, your roots in off-road. Oh, absolutely. Our service vehicle and being an MP in Fort Bragg was a was an M151A, just a old flatty, do about 50 miles an hour tops, but at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, it's one of the biggest bases in the world and within Fort Bragg there's a uh, drop zones for acres and acres and acres, square miles. We would take the Jeeps out and put them through their paces and break them, get them stuck. But luckily, our uh, our motor pool, I had good friends in the motor pool, and they'd come and do recovery for us. And 
really where I got the off-road bug. Right after the Army, I, the first car I bought was an old Willys Jeep. It really set the hook for me as far as off-road, what a four-wheel drive vehicle will do and what it won't do. <laughs> I found those things out. From there, it uh, pretty much set the stage for where we're at today as far as four-wheel drive, off-road. So we've seen, you know, like Jesse Haynes, who was on this past week, and, you know, he just won the 4600 Classic KOH in a Rocksor. Do you see someone out there, I'm just laying out the gauntlet, building an old flatty to challenge that 50-mile-an-hour bombing across the, the lake bed, maxed out at 50, doing it a flat fender versus a, a Rocksor? You know what? I, I had no doubts with Jesse. We've known Jesse for a long time. Um, we've been affiliated with Jesse for about as long as uh, organized rock sports these days, back from the Badlands uh, all the way to where we're at. And, hey, I wouldn't doubt Jesse would give that a whirl as far as doing something in a flatty that way, and it, a stock M151, possibly. I think Jesse proved that never say never and that uh, – the people that are the naysayers, that's just something to prove wrong. So, yeah, I, I can see that happening. Yeah, I think that just the wheels were turning when he and I were having that discussion a week ago, or, well, a couple weeks ago now, but was on this last episode, that uh, he's he's like, I'm, you know, fully redlining and we're going 50. So, or 53, <laughs> I think, is what his number was. And he goes, the car's yeah. just going to, it's going to fall apart. <laughs> so, yeah. you, you got any uh, good military stories, any close calls? All you guys have war stories. Yeah, right? there's, there's war stories that are left better unsaid, <laughs> I'm sure. But uh, one is taking a Jeep out on duty, all in my gear, packing my 45 with my buddy, and we just loved the off-road. And we was running the graveyard shift, so we we're going to go out to the drop zone and see if I heard about this trail that's being cut out there by tanks. So we uh, we went out. Early in the shift, we had radios so we could keep contact with, you know, the desk sergeant whenever he was ready to hear from us. We could chime in and tell him where we were. No GPS during those days, so he didn't know where we were, but we could chime in. And uh, we got the Jeep stuck so bad that uh, the mud was coming into the Jeep and we were on a hill and there was no cell phones then either. So... We had to radio in that we needed uh, assistance with the motor pool and a, and a deuce and a half to come out and pull us out of the mud. That was the closest call, really, as far as getting really busted bad in our unit. But close calls made it back, made it out. You know, close call was really my close call in the Army was orders to report to Oakland, to, re, to report to the Republic of Vietnam. Wow. I thank you for your service, uh, you know, veterans. There's you guys are the the backbone, the salt, and, you know, the salt and pepper of this country, right? Appreciate that. What? What year did you get out? I got out in '73, so I was a draftee. I had put in my two years being drafted. I didn't do quite the the tour that uh, somebody that signed up for, but it was one of the best experiences of my life. It really set me on a path to uh, number one, respect our country. And uh, like I said, the work ethic and um, really proud to have went ahead and did my duty. But that afforded you some stuff afterwards, right? You know, you had access to the GI Bill. Absolutely. And then were you able to le leverage GI Bill for what you're doing today or? 
Oh, yeah. That was one of the big benefits also. I, I'd be totally remiss if I didn't include the GI Bill. I had a, I went, came directly from the Army, and I had a buddy that was a pattern maker. And a pattern maker is a, it's a trade that uh, caters to the cast industry. We make the master patterns, core boxes, and all of the tooling that mass produces casting, such as water pumps, intake manifolds. At that time, it was all aluminum intake manifolds, cast iron heads, water pumps, steering knuckles, aluminum wheels. We made a lot of aluminum wheel molds. And uh, I got into an apprenticeship program through the GI Bill. They were paying me to go to work, and I I was uh, really, really proud to do it. To this day, we, we consider ourselves pattern makers. We do a lot of work for foundries. And a pattern maker is a uh, Anybody that makes the tooling, the master tooling and core boxes and, and gauges and fixtures for the cast industry, iron, aluminum, bronze, anything that way that is cast, molten metal from a, a master pattern. From the ladle into the pattern to the yep. product and then you guys finish machine. That's right. Some of our own products that we've developed here and helped others develop is a direct benefit of being a pattern maker. We've helped a couple companies along with steering knuckles, building the patterns, getting the prototype parts, doing the prototype machining. It's a lot what we do is, is help other companies private label, so to speak, their parts, but came from uh, what we do. We've uh, done some rear-end housings, dropouts steering knuckles well i got a last fall i got a crash course from madam woodley and you know a woodley's down there in murfreesboro tennessee yes sir. and he's got wide open design and he's got crane axles and he bought crane out and how he had to learn how <laughs> basically green casting or whatever I th that's what stuck stuck in my head is uh him learning about the casting business and you guys have been in that business for 20 years oh yeah and you've been in the business for 40 <laughs> yeah, it's a long time. We're real familiar with the crane product. I'll just say that. I don't want to get anybody in trouble or anything. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get anyone in trouble. I think we love Adam and uh, wide open design, and we've helped each other through the years. Them getting started and us helping that. We did another project for a friend of ours out in Colorado that uh, he tried a thing called a 69. It was a dropout 60, and uh, it could have went places but uh we got the project and got it figured out but unfortunately the marketing plan there didn't work out real well on how he started and and uh we still have the tooling we still have the castings we still i run them in my race car and uh they're really good it just really never took hold for various reasons but um yeah we will work with anybody and their product we're working with several companies right now proud to work with some of the the best names in the sport. Well, that said, there's a lot of people that podiumed here recently at a, a little race in California and of the 4,400 class. I didn't, I didn't dig past the top three, but you guys had parts on all three that were on the podium this year. Yeah. We're real proud of that. We had carrier bearings in a couple of the cars, the top two cars and, uh, and, uh, axle shafts, Real proud of that, but they weren't the only ones. You're right. We had field wide, field wide. We try to we try to help everybody, and they help us. We really look at quality and service and uh, value in our parts that 
people are going to want to run our parts. I believe everybody in Team Indiana has got some part of ours on their car, whether it be a suspension link or a axle, sway bars, brake parts. We're not just nailed down to real specific parts. We we are custom machines, so we will make or do anything. But um, as far as the field out at, in Ultra 4, whatever class it's in, I'd say almost every class. Uh, oh, yeah, no, for sure. Well, I don't want to get too far down that because I, I have a whole section set aside here in a little bit. Uh, we're going to dig into branding, <laughs> dig into exactly the, the, <laughs> the business and the parts and that side. But here at the interim, you said you wanted to be, you know, you aspired, you know, you were going to be a race car driver and you still are. You know, I think that's absolutely super cool. I mean, I aspire to be, you know, in your shoes and still being able to strap a helmet on with what you've got going on. I think that's uh, amazing, but you didn't just get there. It wasn't just in the last 10 years you got into off-road or 15 years you got, you started putting a, a helmet on before that. I mean, from what I gathered from you, you were involved in circle track, you know, s- some Earnhardt stuff. And then us talking in the past, I know you were into drag racing. Oh yeah. And I think if you're in Indiana, I think, what is it? Almost every professional pro drag race team, you know, uh, your top fuels, your, your funny cars, Almost all of them are headquartered at some point or fashion out of Indianapolis. That's right. So you're at the epicenter. Brownsburg is known. I mean, John Force is there, Joe Amato when he was racing. But it is a hub. Uh, Indianapolis being the racing capital of the world, as they tout it, is uh, big into racing in general. I was huge into drag racing. I did it for several years. Kind of a little tidbit I threw at you and being a triple nickel guy, I had a 55 Chevy that I campaigned. It was a pretty much a pro gas car, big block Chevy, narrow nine inch. And uh, it was a brick, but I had a lot of fun with it and got fairly quick with it. But I called it the double nickel. It was a lot of fun. It's where Brandon first got his racing bug. I've got a picture of him on the front. I think he was four or five years old in the front of my car and just proud as he could be in front of it. Had a great time with it. From that, we uh, also, I could never leave off-road stuff. It it just always had a hook to me. So Pulled you back. Yeah, it it just pulled me back into OJ Customs. Uh, It's a little company we started out back in the day when this was all really infant. I mean, uh, high tech was doing a spring over on a Jeep leaf spring over who, who, who was OJ custom Was you and a buddy, me and a buddy. That was our middle initials of each other. And, uh, his middle initial was O and mine was J and we just come up with OJ customs and we had big sights on everything. We built roll bars and roll cages and brush guards at that time were huge, putting a big brush guard on the front of trucks or Jeeps. And uh, gumbo mutters and groundhogs and jackman wheels. And that's kind of where our demise went is we spent most of our working capital on a big load of tires. We got a deal on them and all of a sudden we can't pay each other or pay pay anything. We invested it. We were young and dumb. and But at that time, the only place to go wheeling around was a little place around town here. And it used to be back at turn of the century, 1900 century. <laughs> There was a a park, an amusement park back out of Fort Wayne next to the river is called Robinson Park. We would go back there and do pretty much the same stuff I was doing in the Army with an MP Jeep, started building 
you know, building them better, quit breaking, uh, building them a little bit safer, not a whole lot safer, but we started that business then and uh, it faded away, but come back in a, with a vengeance in the late 1990s, somewhere in there. We got back into it again, went full circle from drag racing, circle track racing, and uh, got back into off-road. What year did you guys, you know, I guess Brandon got involved in off-road, but what was kind of the foyer for the Haynes family getting into like Trek or XRA or any of those early rock sports? Yep. I would say back 2003, we really got into watching rock crawling. I'm still huge into rock crawling. I love the technical part of rock crawling. I like to go, I love to go fast, but still really involved with the rock crawling and what that takes. But I'd say around then when there, there was a U-Rock event down in a, at Badlands that we attended. How far is the drive for you to Attica? About two hours. About two hours? Okay. About two hours. Yeah. We've always called Badlands our home track. I've been uh, going there for a long time. Back when Troy Troy Myers owned it, and uh, I remember when Jesse came to came to town, it was kind of a huge deal to look and seeing his willies. And you know, back in those days, there was big money in rock crawling. Troy was a big name, along with Ken Shoop and several others that uh, that I really looked up to and gave us something to shoot for. We look at that time is probably being a solid catalyst for us to do what we do today. I remember seeing on, and which is funny, I kind of draw this together. So two episodes ago, we had Ian Johnson on and he did, you know, some power block stuff. And I remember this is before I even had a buggy, but it was certainly involved in off-road was on pirate at this point. And that power block on the weekends, they would show like a little, let's call it a, a one minute or two minute clip of events from around the country and they would always have a little rock crawling stuff but the first kind of go fast i had seen on there was it was an xra event and i feel like it was from the badlands it was like one of you guys's cars i want to say it was maybe it was like roscoe or dino jumping a tabletop landing i think maybe flatted some tires and then finished in reverse and that was the video that they led with it was awesome yeah, that was that was Roscoe. He's a guy I miss nearly every day. He was bigger than life, had a laugh that you'll never forget. Just a passion for off road. Oh, he he had a heart, a passion for anything fun and anything motorsports and life of the party. Hundred <laughs> percent. He was hundred percent Roscoe. That's for sure. And um, he had a he had an accident in in Nebraska. He was competing in an SCCA uh, event and. The after hours things, it, it bit him and he uh, had an accident and uh, we lost him. He just fell, he fell out of a golf cart, right? Fell out of a golf cart. And bumped his head and that was it. He fell out of the golf cart. Just uh, things that we've done a million times. A million. It was so freaky of an accident that I still can't believe it really happened because we had done it so much. We'd ride wheelies on a golf cart. We would off-road in a golf cart. We have golf cart races. And it was just a freak deal. And miss him every day. But, you know, it. I've had my share of accidents, so to speak, too. I, Badlands, I had a, a bad roll down a hill that was, uh, you know, 
you roll down a hill and you got sloppy belts on, expect bad things. And at that time, helmets were like, what? But at least tight seat belts, those are the things we hear about every day. A lot of our friends have made the same mistakes. They're still going to be made, I'm sure. But uh, I lost about three days in the hospital with a bad concussion and lucky to be alive, really, with a bad roll and there's things like that that when you enter the arena, always be prepared. And uh, really, when you're going out off-road, you are entering a, an arena that can bite you quick. So, guys, belt up. When it's something that's going to get, get uh, crazy, put your brain bucket on. and Or not even crazy. I mean, we've seen, I know people that have rolled loading their junk on their trailer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's how, you know, it's maybe you're in a hurry or maybe you've broken a shaft. So your three wheel motion or, or, or it's raining and the, the ramps a little bit slick or next thing you know, you're upside down or, or you've seen the guys that, you know, the throttle stuck or something that happened and they ramped over the back of the trailer and into the back of the truck. Yeah. Just, it's crazy how quickly things can go, you know, fly swatter you. I mean, they yeah. things can go sideways quick. So yeah, not that this, yeah. not that we were pushing safety, but absolutely you should, Everything you should do, I mean, be be as safe as you can possible. I mean, we joke about safety third, but. <laughs> Another instance of being prepared when you enter the arena is uh, 1980. I love scuba diving. And uh, we, we had scuba dived in the Caribbean, all the lakes around here and everything. And nobody had ever ice dove before. What's Now, what's that? Ice diving. Oh, ice diving. Yeah. Okay. So we decided we're going to ice dive. And uh, again, be prepared when you enter the arena. And that means everybody involved with you, and especially if you're diving under three foot of ice. And we cut a hole in the ice and uh, went in, and we had all the latest gear and regulators and boys and compensators and everything we needed. And we decided we're going to do it. But we had a crew up above us that when you ice dive, you're tethered. You're tethered to a rope to the hole that you're going to cut into the ice. And uh, the people above are pretty much holding on to your lifeline, and it is your lifeline, to uh, be able to take care of any emergency. Well, we, a buddy and me, jumped in the ice, and uh, we're down, and it's crystal clear water. It's dark, so you have lights. And uh, probably 10, 15 minutes into the dive, my regulator froze wide open. And uh, I'm trying to take a breath. And as I'm trying to take a breath, I'm spinning. And the guys on the surface are just feeding me line. And I'm getting tangled in a line and not being able to breathe. Crap. <laughs> Next thing I know, my face mask is up against the bottom of the ice. And that's about all I remember for three days. My buddy that was with me was tethered to me. And he's fine. And he, fortunately, I didn't tangle him up. He cut loose, went back to the surface. and. Told them I was in trouble, and they pulled me out, and uh, I was pretty much flatlined when they pulled me out of the ice and uh, dodged that bullet again. So be prepared when you enter the arena. So you you effectively have a second birthday sometime in 1980. Yes, sir. February 12th. See, that's how we're whittling you down to being 21 years old. I'm going <laughs> to get there. <laughs> Well, I'm uh, I'm on about life five of nine of as a cat. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I think you're on about life nine and nine, having having just been around you for just the short you know last ten years of your life. Like um, <laughs> maybe you, you live it hard. 
was it you'd had a, a, a wreck at KOH or uh, an off-road wreck? Did you guys took, take a barrel roll or a tumble once? Oh, I took a tumble. That's the tumble I'm talking about at Badlands. That uh, Oh, I thought, see, uh, okay, in my, in my mind, my recollection was you, you guys did that at uh, out, at, out at the Hammers. Yeah, 2018, I barely finished the race because on the last obstacle coming into the finish line, I did a roll there, but it was a stupid roll. Uh, John Dawes was my co-driver, and I don't think he's forgiven me yet for on the last stupid hill that I'd done three times that day and we rolled, but I, I finished up and got it righted and got to the finish line in 2018, but never anything life-threatening. We were always, do you think that Josh Blyler rolled on the top of back door is like an ode to you? Like that was like him tipping his hat to, uh, to stand. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. I do know that I owe Josh, Josh an apology. We're on a little forum, uh, on Facebook and I wondered why they put the, the suffix on, on the group as, and the King. And I couldn't figure out what it was. I said, what's, what's this? Where do you have the King? And it was all about Josh Blyler. And Josh, congratulations on your win at King of the Hammers, buddy. I, I, didn't, I didn't put two and two together. And, uh, but I don't know. You live life and, uh, with no regrets. No, I, absolutely. Stay tuned. Your talent tank isn't full yet. For the past 10 years, there has been a group of individuals working hard, pushing the limits of what's possible with suspension spring technology. Today, that group has opened some exciting new doors, stepping out with the release of their own line of premium high-performance coil over springs. Magnitude Performance Suspension is now up and running at their new complex deep in the heart of Texas, manufacturing their new line of premium chrome silicon springs right here in the USA. While the name and location is new, the crew at Magnitude is anything but, with extensive multi-genre racing application experience, including 10-plus years specifically testing, tuning, listening to, working with, and answering the needs of Ultra 4 and off-road racers alike. I'm ecstatic to have Magnitude on board as a partner of the Talent Tank, and I stand behind their products as I'm a customer of this team myself. When I was building my last race car, I reached out to now president of Magnitude, Jason Yode, about his sway bar design. He built a sway bar to the specs he calculated for my application, and it was 100% dialed in right out of the box. That almost doesn't sound real, but it happened. Proof this team at Magnitude knows suspensions, springs, sway bars, what works, what doesn't. And I haven't even mentioned their line of valve train springs. They do those as well. LS, LT, diesels, drag racing, duels, and triples, they've got them all. No more waiting around for springs to be made, back-ordered. All the while, you could be testing and tuning your vehicle and practicing your best podium pose. Magnitude has over 10,000 springs in stock. That's over 225 different lengths and rates. These guys have embraced technology with real-time inventory status on their website, so enthusiasts and competitors can order with confidence that Magnitude has the parts you need when you need them. I know I mentioned that they are in Texas. That makes me proud, but that also means they are centrally located for quick shipping to your door. No more more right coast waiting on California or left coast waiting on North Carolina. Give the team at Magnitude a call at 866-674-1516 or hit up their website, magnitudeperformance.com. Mention you're a fan of the Talent Tank or use online code TT10 and get a special 10% discount. Now, back to the show. And then you've done some really cool stuff with Ultra 4. I remember seeing you guys went to... uh, you went and competed in China with them. Yeah, well, thank God I'm not there now. Oh, right. <laughs> you, you, I can see you and, and Terry Madden and Handsome Jay eating bats. I can see that. 
Oh yeah, we. It was a trip of a lifetime. I, I it was a real awakening about another part of the world that might as well have been another planet. I spent some good quality time with JT and Terry Madden and Handsome Jay, Dwayne Garrison, but it was a a real eye opening experience. We we spent a about a week in the Gobi Desert in a lower Mongolia and raced for this event that was put on out in the middle of the desert that pulled in the numbers I heard was 3 million people. I would believe it based on the pictures. It was just a huge, huge deal. And we were rock stars. Uh, Dwayne was number one rock star. He had a beard down to his belly and you just don't see hair on a face like that in China. And he had them all going, but uh, holding babies and just doing our American deed there for the Chinese people. They're all just loving people. I hate that they're uh, governed the way they are, but, you know, they're they're human beings. And I love every one of them. That looked like just a fun experience. And that's one of those Dave ideas where Dave has his crazy ideas. We're going to, you know, we're going to do something crazy. We're going to go to China. What'd they do? They shipped a bunch of bombers over there. Yeah, we, we, there was a uh, bombers and then I think there was a couple Jimmy's cars that were over there. And, um, I had a pretty fast bomber that I was racing. I had, it went pretty well until we went on a little exhibition and I didn't realize the bomber cars, the intakes right up front. And, uh, we went into a little hot tub, so to speak on a, on a course that was full of water and well, my bomber swallowed up a bunch of water and ended up, you know, seasoning it up and breaking a rod and put my car out for, I think, another race. But, yeah, there were bombers. Everybody was having a blast. The last race, Terry Madden stepped up and let me drive his car for the event in front of thousands, thousands of people that had never seen this stuff before. And Dave Cole, I hats off to him and Travis Brake for uh, – giving me the opportunity to do that. I'll never, never forget it. Ultra four has just been huge for us. I, I can't say enough for the sanctioning body and the owners and, you know, Jeff and Dave really have been a, a big part of my life. Oh yeah. So many of ours hell. So do you think that Dave will, uh, even after all, all this is said and done, if there was another opportunity to send cars back to China and go back to China with ultra four, do you think Dave would go? Well, from the last conversations I've had with Dave, no. <laughs> you know, I think he was done at that time. I remember one little incident that we were invited up by, a, I mean, he was very important Chinese dude, but we got invited to dinner and he was like 11 stories up in the middle of some Beijing Ing type of town. I don't even remember which town it was, but uh, we had a dinner up there and it was, he got stuck in an elevator partway up. And at the dinner, it was like, what is this dinner? And I think after that, Dave pretty much decided that he was pretty much done with China. But, you know, everybody changes their mind. I, I would think the world will straighten out enough that uh, he would want to go back. But there's a whole bunch of other places that he's been going that are probably a little bit safer and uh, just as cool as, as China. Portugal, I've heard, is like phenomenal. I talked to JT about Portugal. He said, that's probably the one you want to go to. If you're going to go across the pond and go, go to a race, I'd love to go to England. I'd love to go to Spain. I'd love to go to 
some of these other races, which I've met so many friends all the way from Australia to Japan, guys that have come over and raced the last race. I was really proud to see Team Europe pretty much come over and and, uh, participate. I mean, there's some good competitors from over there. And then the Ultra 4 guys from over there, like Richard Crossland and Chris Bowler and Tills. I mean, there's a bunch more. Drew Wright, just to name it. Just, God, just, I don't know. I find this so fascinating that Ultra 4 has afforded me, I know it's afforded you the same, to be able to meet cool people like this whole birds of a feather flock together, you know, like-minded individuals globally all over the world yeah and um go to australia and we've got ben napier you know oh, <laughs> like, yep it's uh it's a pretty cool thing on how this thing has evolved into being a a truly world event the king of the hammers but in their own right they're having races that are uh, being um putting themselves in the same category for their individual countries that king of the hammers has i just am in kind of uh awe of the people that I've met through Ultra 4 and uh, love every one of them. And like you say, a lot of them are top shelf. They're they're top shelf drivers, builders, and competitors. Real proud to be a part of that family. I love them all and I love to highlight them here. I mean, I love showing, you know, showing off for the world what, uh, what amazing folks that we have around here. That's right. That's right. King of the Hammers. You went in 09, you went took a car out in 10 but didn't race. You started racing in 11. You've raced 11 through now. You've got a bunch of finishes, four or five, I think. Yeah, I've got I've got three finishes, actually. And uh, w- with last year and helping Jody, I count that as a win for Brannick because I stepped out for him to step back in. From 19, he, he contracted cancer, and his immune system was so down that he, he really had his sights on set on 19. And... Uh, I stepped up in 19 and said, okay, I'm going to race for you, not for him, but, uh, you know, in his place to help, help him mentally and carry the torch. And that's uh, and we're talking about Jody Ford, right? That's right. Yeah. And he's the 4860 driver. 4860. He's a, he's a pretty good shoe on the, in the car and a wheel man. And this year he's, he's racing under our banner. If we get back to racing, which we will, which we will, and we're really looking forward to Crandon. It's going to be our first race back in the back in the saddle. You know, I had a conversation with Dave Cole last week. He called me about just some stuff that Dave wanted to talk about, but also I think Dave was also bored with what's going on. Dave is a he's a busybody himself, and we got to talking about the the race cancellations. And man, I I gave you know giving JT a huge credit you know uh, the the day that they canceled Stampede we talked a couple days before that or a couple times before that in the days leading up to the Stampede cancellation and Dave talking about how much heat he took he had people sending him uh, hate, hate email hate text like calling him a pussy for canceling the race and then the, the next day Governor Newsom you know limits parties to you know anything over 250 at that point now we're down to 10 people together right but you know ultra four was out in front of that and they took a bunch of heat there now looking back they couldn't have held it even if they wanted to hold the event the hotels were closed the restaurants were closed who's going to deliver the johnny on the spots to the event you know it takes a lot more to put on an event than just guys showing up with race cars you need all this support stuff and i think ultra four did it absolutely they did it right and then when you look at kentucky that should have been I don't even know what today is. So Kentucky should have been a few weeks, weekends ago. I, I mean, no choice but to kill that. I think that was the right call. But here's what I said to Dave. 
the way they pivoted the schedule and rolled the new schedule out, I have nothing but the massive props to give to that organization about how they pivoted the schedule. I think it's a, it's a logistics nightmare. I'm sure uh, Kentucky was going to be this weekend. <laughs> it was this week. I, I knew it was, yeah. I knew we're right there in the, the fray for it. We were really looking forward to it. Stampede. I was, I was disappointed too, but I understood, you know, especially the state it was being held in. I, I, uh, this is probably, probably, uh, not going to happen. And then probably about the same time I I bet Kentucky's out and not too long after that. I, I remember I chimed in and said, please, please, Ultra Four, let us know if quicker than hopefully very soon if you're going to go ahead and cancel. And they did and gave every all the racers enough time to uh, let that sink in, not get, you know, if any racers probably like we are as you're doing all-nighters before the race. And at least you could back off that much. And, and that all happened really well. So I think they did a good job. I think, I think they did fantastic. I want to circle back to Jody Ford real quick. I, I don't know Jody that well. I've met him in passing that this year's King of Hammers, but I met his brother. What's his brother's name? Tall guy. That's Landon. 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 That's Landon's a cool dude. I like Landon. If, if Jody's anything like Landon, I, they're, they're good <laughs> folks. But Jody's cancer free now, and he raced this, this year, and you and he raced together, and you guys, you guys finished this year too. My son raced with him. Okay. Brandon, Brandon raced with him. They finished 14th. Really a pretty much uneventful race other than they kicked butt and did really, really well and really proud to get behind Jody and, and as well as the rest of Team Indiana and several other races. Jesse Haynes pitted with us, uh, so we helped him and Justin along. Justin Sexton was Jesse's co-driver. But, yeah, that was uh, Brandon stepped in and uh, co-drove with Jody. Jody's normal co-driver is uh, Corey Day. He co-drove with me last year and we finished and uh, he couldn't make the race because he was having a baby. So Brandon stepped in and he went, uh, they went shock tuning in Las Vegas. Uh, they was gone for over two weeks. So Brandon stepped into that and did a phenomenal job and uh, they brought it home in the daylight in the uh, 14th. Did a great job. When you guys are all out of, t- like, so like hammers, that'd be the, the one event a year, you know, 10 days, 10 plus days, you guys are out of the shop. It, does Corinne run everything? Well, Corinne tries to go every year. She <laughs> didn't. <laughs> she, uh, we have a foreman. He takes care of, Chris does a phenomenal job for us in, in, in the CNC department. And he uh, pretty much has our, has our back when we're out of the shop. It is the only time of the year that, um, Brandon and I are both out and really having to rely on our help, and they do a great job. Don't miss a lick. We have plenty of work that they stay busy and uh, know how to take the orders. If they don't know how, they'll they'll let customers know that we will call them back. So Corinne tries to go every year. She loves it. This year she didn't make it, but hopefully next year she will. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. This is the talking about branding machine itself and actually the products you produce, we've kind of glossed over them, glazed over them. We've talked about some guys in the shop, but you started the business that, that you run today in 2003. And what was the first products kind of you, was it doing pattern work back then and what it's moved to today? Cause I remember being maybe there, even in the mid two thousands, you guys were remachining Ford super duty yeah. uh, unit bearings from eight lug down to six lug or eight lug down to five lug. I rem- I remember that being 
a service that you guys were running in the early days. Yep. We were running 9904 unit bearings and could turn an eight lug unit bearing into a five lug or six lug. And we weren't the first to be doing it, but you know, we saw an opportunity to make money and, and did it. Uh, another product that we did way back then to answer your question first is, yeah, we started out as a foundry tooling, uh, supplier, builder, pattern shop. And, uh, we, we did a lot of pattern work, molds, dyes for the cast industry, but the love of the motorsports is if we got the equipment to do it, why not? So another product we'd take, uh, Dana 60, which, uh, Dana 60 axles and uh, machine out the yokes. Uh, we really kind of uh, coordinated doing this with Jesse Haynes. Yeah, you guys started pushing the envelopes for steering degrees on front ends well yep. and rear ends for guys with rear steer, but really started leaning them way over. Yep. We started machining out yokes. We we noticed that Jesse and any of the top guys, they were getting in with a die grinder and, and grinding their yokes to get more turn on them before you joints bind. And uh, we got with Jesse and worked the whole entire day in modeling and 3D and setting up and machining and then putting the yokes together, a, a stub and an inner together and seeing how much we could get out of it and sneaking up on it with models, changing the models, changing the machining. Got to a point where we were happy with the strength is, that we knew of. Got right at... 49, 50 degrees out of a stock axle, which uh, normally will get between 30 and 35 degrees, which uh, really became a big advantage to the rock crawlers and really where we stuck our foot in the door with uh, with steering and, and the rock crawlers and making steering. And from that went high steer arms, suspension parts. But there on the, uh, the steering angle thing, I, I know you're talking about getting high degrees of steering out of your rock crawler. I will say that the difference, you know, people are talking about IFS versus straight axle right? and in, in the racing world, in the go fast world, in the ultra four world. And, uh, you know, for an IFS car, your steering is, yeah, I mean, your steering and your travel numbers, they're limited by two factors, CV plunge, the inboard and the outboard and CV bind. And so you, it, a CV is built for X amount of X amount of degrees. And then mm-hmm. the uniballs. And so you end up with limitations, either the uniball or limitations in the CV. And you only get so many degrees, right? That's right. So many degrees. And you can either take those degrees all in travel, up and down motion, and not as much steering, or you can kind of split it a little bit. But no matter what, it still has to add up to that degree. That's the best you can do. And so that's a limitation of an IFS car, right? You can, if you take it all in travel, the thing's going to ride great but it's not going to steer great in the rocks and the tight spaces. Yeah. Solid axle, you know, like an Eric Miller, Josh Blyler. I'm going to use them as the example for, for this discussion is the solid axle. It doesn't ride as great in the desert. Don't get me wrong. You know, Miller's done some wonderful things where they're riding pretty good in the desert and, and wide open across whoops. But what puts them head and shoulders apart from the IFS guys in my book is the steering degrees. It's in their steering and when you look at a Miller car currently and look how far their wheels kick over on a turn, they're getting, I'm going to say 45 degrees. He may be getting 50. I don't know. I should have asked him. Yeah, that, that's that's a big deal. That makes a difference getting through rock trails. It makes a huge difference getting through rock trails. If you have 
great, great steering, you're not having to stop, hit back up, reverse, three-point turns inside the rocks when those guys are just pivoting and pirouetting around rocks with their great steering. That's something that you guys were on the forefront of putting that into the crawlers, and then they've, of course, progressed into putting – now they're in the racers. That's right. It's interesting you, you bring that up between the IFS and straight axles is we're working with a company right now and getting a little bit more steering out of those IFS cars. Uh, I won't go any farther than that because I'm, I can't, but I like looking at things and pushing the envelope and seeing where the technology's at. And is there anything else we can just massage a little bit more? And with the IFS stuff, I'm pretty sure we can get some more steering out of IFS cars with uh, with some special parts that we're partnering with a, with a company. And I think it's going to be happening very soon, but we're always looking at down the road a little bit and what we can make better, do better. But you're, you're right. The IFS cars before were limited to the CV as far as turning. 45 degrees, you're pushing the limits of the cage and, and everything in, in the CV. With a U-joint car, we've been able to make it really close to 50 degrees. Most of the time, your limiting factor on a, a straight axle car and steering are your C and knuckle hitting before your U-joints do, or your suspension hitting the tires, or your chassis getting in the way. So to be able to get all that steering out of any any car, you have to have all the right factors involved along with the, the axles. What I think we've been able to do is get more life out of out of a, a yoked axle, yoked U-joint axle, just simply by keeping the U-joints from binding and taking axles out. has been the big benefit along with the extra steering, but making axles live longer has been a big part of that success also. You're talking about U-joints and it brings up uh, something that I had in my head that I meant to actually bring up earlier. The Alan Johnson over at Ultra 4, he had started this whole support small business thing, which I think we have we have going on locally in all of our locales. Like I'm I'm trying to, you know, support the businesses around us, try to buy American, th- those kinds of things. But uh, Ultra 4 is highlighting and doing some spotlighting of some small businesses that are involved in our community. And one being you guys. And the thing that I saw out there was you guys have, you guys have a new U-joint out or you're working on a new U-joint. What's the what's the details on that Brannick branded U joint that you that you're rocking? Well, it's a fifteen fifty, and uh, size matters with U joints. The fifteen fifty is so much bigger. We're also building the fifteen fifty axles that uh, are pretty much a, a mirror of our fourteen eighty legacy axles. Uh, doing them in three hundred M, and uh, the U joints. We we started off with the axles, but in my mind, building a a 1550 axle with an inferior U-joint was asking for an axle failure. So we started the process of uh, making the U-joints that are stronger. They're not all that different as far as process goes, but somebody needed to come out with them. And since we have, I know at least one competitor of ours is uh, also offering them too, but that's okay. We love competition. It keeps us honest. It keeps us our value, it keeps us focused on uh, doing things that the market will bear. And uh, also it pushes innovation. That's, that's exactly right. I look at all of our competitors as pushing us to do better. I hope we do the same for them. I know a lot of people think that um, we some way copy somebody else or whatever. That's, you know, I, I'd have to argue that uh, 
we look at that as uh, not really ours can do certain things that theirs can't and whatnot. And that's the way we look at competition is just it just moves innovation. I love, love uh, watching new things happen on these buggies. Joe Thompson uh, with UFO has just done phenomenal things out in California uh, with the with the Gomez brothers and the UFO cars. That I, uh, Wow, that stuff is really cool. Jesse Haynes and what he does, you know, you, there's almost uh, not a day that goes by that he's not coming up with a new idea or a new angle or some way to uh, look at things to make it better, lower center of gravity. We work with him a little bit on his portal projects, make a few parts for him and and help with that. Uh, what that's turned into for him has been really good for him. I'm planning on seeing them in June, uh, going out to their new house and being involved in Supercrawl. I've been, uh, been with Supercrawl since they started the new improved super crawl <laughs> yeah you and i mean you guys support all the off-road rock sports race series i mean you four we rock pro rock super crawl Brandon is a sponsor of all those guys i think I, th- I find that to be absolutely fascinating and good for you guys to be in there i preach the you know support those that support you and and hold you know hold up your your community and hold up you know your brother man you guys do it i mean you guys walk the walk and talk the talk well, we're proud to do it, Wyatt. We used to have a ad in Crawl Magazine back in the day when we were there in a in a in a magazine that our biggest headline across our ad was "We race." I believe that being involved in racing, I've always told Brandon this. I said, if we're involved in racing, we're going to be number one tuned in to where the technology's at, and what better billboard can you show other than? our name on the side of race cars with running our parts and putting them to the test and not being afraid to beat the crap out of them. And we've done that from the very beginning and I, we will continue to do it from now on, as far as I'm concerned and not just be a factory, not just be some guy that's making a part and sell them on the interweb. Yeah. You're, we're talking made in the USA, made in Fort Wayne, Indiana by you guys. I'm going to rattle through some of, some of your products because on one hand, I thought you guys, uh, in my mind, a misconception was that you guys mainly were just axles and maybe unit bearings. But aside from axle shafts, you guys do custom splining, custom link, custom materials. If you can dream it and you can scope it out and draw it, you guys can make it, right? That's fair statement. Oh, yeah. we. Uh, another thing we did for several years now, we, we got involved with Unimog and Unimog axles being Unimog. Uh, had a f- couple buddies, I believe Doug Bigelow back in the day ran them. We had another friend, uh, Andy LaRoe, he he uh, ran Unimogs, and we started making portal boxes. The, uh, on a Unimog, a, a real weak point on a, on a Unimog axle, a 404 Unimog anyway, is the portal box. It's a thin cast iron casting that uh, holds all the reduction gears and the uh, in the in the planetary for the Unimog to get their high clearance. And uh, we looked at one of these and said, well, you know what? We could stack up a bunch of uh, laser-cut plates and make a weldment out of it and, and make portal boxes that uh, you cannot break. And marrying those with uh, Unimog axles, steering axles, uh, they're an odd, odd axle if anybody's not ever seen one. But we, we developed a, a 3D model of the... Unimog axles and uh, 
we're making them to this day. Uh, we don't make a lot of them, but have sent them to Germany, believe it or not. That's, you know, where the Unimog came from Germany, and we've sold several of them back to Germany and guys putting them in their off-road Unimogs or buggies that are running the axles. And uh, so, yeah, if you got an idea, we're happy to help you with it. And if it's something that you want to market and sell, we're happy to private label it too. That's that is pretty cool. Stay tuned. Your talent tank is in full get. Since 2007, Custom Splice has been the go-to supplier for tactical on- and off-road vehicle recovery equipment. Custom Splice owner Todd Stoffer saw a market where demands for absolutely the safest solutions to vehicle recovery were not being met. Since then, Custom Splice has taken on numerous safety and recovery projects, solving deficiencies in recovery gear for individuals and companies worldwide. What started with synthetic ropes has led to Custom Splice's expansive inventory of not just ropes in countless colors and diameters, but an expansive product line of hooks, fair leads, specialty thimbles, chafe guards, to name a few. Plus the fabrication of Custom Splice's newest edition, recovery rings. Not to be forgotten, don't miss grabbing some Custom Splice soft shackles with your next order, which are also available in many sizes and colors. Even though Custom Splice is a small business in America's heartland of Kansas, you can find Custom Splice employees shipping their products globally on a daily basis. Let's support this small business that supports our community and the talent tank. Give Todd and his crew at Custom Splice a call at 785-856-1844 or go to the web at customsplice.com before you get stuck without a Custom Splice solution. Now, back to the show. You guys do some some uh, lockout, you know, uh, I guess slug covers for uh, for axles. And I reached out to you, you and Brandon. This is you know twenty fourteen or fifteen somewhere in there. I wanted some faux covers for my pre runner, and I was looking for a specific thing. You guys, Brandon reaches out out to me off of a Facebook post and goes, "Easily, I can make those covers for you. Um, will you also send me your triple nickel logo?" And he machined them and sent them to, and they're on my truck today. Uh, it's the, what would you call it? A drive slug cover. Yep. Yeah. And yep. it's got my, it's got my personal triple nickel logo on there. It's on my truck. And then I needed, uh, some special lug nuts made when I moved to uh, a five eighths lug nut on my truck. Who did I reach out to? None other than you guys sent, I think we talked on the phone, but then I sent you an email of exactly what the specs were that I wanted. You busted out, you know, the custom lug nuts for me. It's so, it's little simple stuff like that, that it seems, it seems simple. It sounds simple, but if they're not right, yeah, the wheel comes off the truck. If, if they're not right, uh, the wheel gets it, the, the lug nut gets into the, the wheel and, and you get an interference fit and then that's, that's not good. Yeah. You had some parameters, you had some parameters that go by there that you're not going to find uh, at the auto zone or anything, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to find them. And as long as we have an idea of what you want and what, fits and functions as you need it we can pretty much do that uh, as far as the drive slug covers we've done a whole lot of private label drive slugs for all kinds of different people and companies that uh we make everything here in 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 house the drive slugs the caps everything's usa material we've got a really wide selection of uh, drive slugs for front or rear full float rears to uh, just about anything on a front lockout or a lockout replacement drive slug another 
big project we're been doing for a while. I had them on my uh, race car for five years is trailing arms. I looked at trailing arms and um, everybody's welding them out of 4140, heat treating them, a lot, a lot of welding time. And I we started making them out of 7075 aluminum. We trade off a lot of welding time for some machine time, but on a CNC machine, once you have your program and everything there, it's pretty much doing it. So we traded the welding time for the cost of 7075 material and are making those at a pretty good standard pace now. And uh, they're catching on more and more. To go to those, was Timmy Cameron running those on his rock bouncer? Yeah, his is second year. He's one of our biggest promoters of, of trailing arms that was the yeah that was the first place i saw those arms like i didn't see them on an ultra four car that was the first place and i was like wow why hadn't anyone been making those prior like like we just hadn't got there yeah and that's a that's that's those are kick-ass pieces yeah now on the bouncers timmy's got them uh todd puckett's got them uh, a couple other guys have them and uh i know we're getting some competition on building those but you know, they got the capabilities to do it, have at it. But Timmy's, he's on his second car uh, now running those. I just watched some YouTube videos of recently, and both cars were still rocking the rocking our trailing arms. Sway bars, Timmy runs our sway bars, sway bar arms, trailing arms, and uh, he's a good billboard for us. Oh, really? And those guys beat the piss out of their cars. Oh my gosh. There's, there's a reason why Cole Shirley and Matt, Mad Ram 11 has about a billion followers. Yeah. Yeah. We're not bouncers, but we're bouncer fans. And, um, a lot of those guys, I know a lot of them are, uh, run axles, sway bars. A lot of them are still running our parts and, uh, the, the trailing arms, man, it's like a diamond ring. You yeah, know, it was the next level. It, it was the next level. Yeah. Oh man, I, I tune in for the train wreck. Absolutely. <laughs> That's you. You have to. I mean, God, there's yeah. bound to be one. <laughs> oh, oh man. Uh, yeah, those guys rolling down, rolling down hills. Yeah, Tim Cameron. That was the first place that I saw your trailing arms at. Now, do you guys have any of those on any ultra four cars in the field now today? Well, mine. Yeah, and uh, Jody Ford's running them, and uh, soon to be there'll be some GBR cars with them. That's what I figured. Uh-oh. That was I, I. I'd heard. I'd heard rumor. How's that? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what kind of cat I'm letting out of the bag, but um, we we've, we've been hooked up with Joe for a little bit and doing some things for him, and proud to do it. UFO design, UFO, whatever he, he's calling it, those single seat center mounted cars. Yeah, they're there's something else. Yeah, they're they're top shelf for sure. Where did the break? deal come into play you guys got into running and building and making some very lightweight brakes yep is that still something you guys offer today oh man uh <laughs> you buy a nine and a half inch by 12 foot long bar of aluminum and make a bunch of hats out of it, it yeah we we're on i don't know how many bars of that stock we're doing but they're good lightweight brakes thin rotors willwood calipers we offer a brake package kind of in concert with our legacy axles, they fit stock knuckles and C's. That's what we were shooting for with uh, with our axles. We've developed a, a kingpin brake kit and bracket and everything that, that bolts right up to your stock kingpin 60. And then we make them in five lug, six lug, and eight lug. And uh, yeah, it's it's turned into a real good thing for us. I'm sitting here kind of laughing to myself because, you know, you're you guys are a big supporter of this show and a a sponsor of it and so we're gonna get there's gonna be a point where people are gonna listen to 
you talking, we're going to listen about your, your products because you guys are subject matter experts on the product, but they're also going to listen to a commercial yeah. from you guys. So they're really going to get the <laughs> slammed with some branding. That's uh sorry, uh, but also good. It, it was kind of one of the things I was kind of worried about doing a talent tank. I, you know, what are we buying our way into a, being on the talent tank or something here? And I'll clarify that. I wanted to interview you last fall when I started and it's funny the I have a list I can you know pop up almost all the email the messages text messages uh, of people saying when are you going to have stand on when are you going to have stand on when are you? And I was yeah. like well I'd already I've already covered a bunch of Indiana folks but absolutely you uh <laughs> the the glue the pillar that kind of has you know held team Indiana up uh, over all these years so that said talking about what all the innovation you guys have done off the top of your head, what's like the three most innovative things that you th- can say that you can put your name on over the last 15 years promoting rock sports, like pushing the envelope? Is it trailing arms up there? One of them? Yeah, I'd have to count trailing arms as being um, one of those things. Um, taking stock axles and getting more turning out of, turning out of them with, uh, with just a, a simple machine program that we've had. The same program. I mean, it's been the same program for at least 12, 13 years now, getting more turning out of a, a Dana 60 axle and not so much turning, but getting life out of the axle also by keeping the U-joints from binding. That's been a, a big, huge thing for us. The trailing arms, like I said, they've been on my race car for five years and I'm, I've known in my in my mind and heart that it's viable it's good. My trailing arms are as straight as the day I we built them. I've seen so many trailing arms tweaked and bent and broken. Uh, but at the same time, we do a whole lot of suspension links, and I've seen those broken also. So I will never say that something's unbreakable. I back in the day, and I, I was with total respect. I would somebody would ask me, "Are these going to break?" And I said, "Well." Uh, the shuttle blew up, you know, it, it's about as more technology there as you can get. And as far as things breaking and there's nothing that won't break, but you just keep striving for that, making it work. Another thing that we uh, kind of proud of that's not really going anywhere anymore, but was from start to finish in the 69 project that uh, was dropout 60s. Kind of proud of that. It's works, but I doubt if it'll ever be a big market item for anybody our brakes yeah that's a lot i mean you guys have it you guys have a large swath of products that really cater to uh to what we're doing and what we're beating on our cars the parts on that we're beating on our cars yep another big part of what we do we we cater to uh diesel pullers i know all over the no kidding yeah we uh we supply a lot of axle shafts to diesel pullers I know that's a kind of a strange sport in a lot of parts of the country. In our part of the world, um, diesel pulling is huge. It's tractors, right? Most of them are tractors? Tractors and, and trucks. Okay. Most of what we do for is, is trucks. There are 2,000 horsepower diesel trucks that uh, are throwing it down and really putting our stuff to the test. And we have a couple of names there that we help along. Adam Hallian, he's pretty much a known name in, in our neck of the woods, races a Ford F-350, 2,000 horsepower, and uh, throwing the hurt to our axles that are living, and drive flanges, and front axles. You remind me of a story. This is, this. I have to go back some years on this. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to say it was 2010, 2011, 2012, somewhere in there. 
but uh, when I was running out of Bonneville and I was in line behind uh, a Cadillac Avante, I believe is yeah. what it was. And yeah. these, these guys, we get to talking. I mean, you're, you're waiting in line to make your, you know, 200 mile an hour pass. You know, you're, you may be waiting in line a couple hours and these guys get to talking to these guys in front of us, find out they were from Indiana. I think I'd ask you about this. I think they may even have been Fort Wayne guys. They are. They are. Okay. And yeah. they were running your axles at Bonneville and their car was, it was an over 200 mile an hour car. And mm-hmm. based on the drag coefficient of the front of that Cadillac, it ended up being something of a 200 some mile an hour burnout for them because yeah. the, the, they had a more horsepower and could put it down, but they hit the drag coefficient. They basically hit a wall, you know, the, the air at that speed becomes more of a wall. It was like jumping off a bridge into water. Well, it's water. Well, at a certain terminal velocity, it becomes harder than concrete or light concrete. That's effectively, yeah, you're looking at them going across what looks to be flat open air, but there is a point where the air becomes so much resistant, it's like pulling your car up to a curb and doing a burnout. But you're doing Mm -hmm. that burnout at 200 and some miles per hour. And they were, that was the beating that they were putting on their axles was this constant 200 plus mile an hour burnout and they were i think they were having killing tires doing that yeah but that the, was the wathen the wathen boys that's a that was a father and son team there also from fort wayne and they were hooked on bonneville it, it's another it's another uh, racing area that i'd get i'd like to get more into i've always uh, admired bonneville or or any of the uh the salt flat type events but, uh, yeah, their, their last name's Wathen. I didn't remember. Yeah, I, I didn't. I'm not even sure if I caught their name at that point, but I remember running run up by you. And then the pass that they made in front of us, actually, they kind of screwed screwed the pooch for all of us. They uh, <laughs> When you have a car that has you know windshields or back glass or whatever, you have to run these, these bars over it, and the bar still wasn't enough. The back glass, the backlight, folded <laughs> and punched out of the car at 200-some miles an hour and scattered glass all over the salt. So then, the, you know, and... They had to get, you know, they spent like an hour doing cleanup, sweeping glass. And it's not like the glass just lands in the parking stall when it gets broken into, you know, it's spread over a quarter mile as it scatters down, uh, down the salt. All the top speed stuff is just really intrigued me. You know, when we lost Jesse Combs and I just felt so bad for her and Terry and, and Jesse's family and everybody involved. I mean, she touched this all so much and, uh. The high-speed stuff is definitely a, a hook that gets a lot of people, and much respect for Jesse Combs. Yeah, she 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 put it down. So, hey, what's the, what's the future for you? You're going to race in 21? Yes, sir. Right? You're going to race KOH 21? I'm, ex- I'm excited to see you back in a car again, you know, just every every time, you know, another lap around the sun. Yep. I know you guys got some hopes for, uh, you know, some branding championships. Yeah, whether, whether we're racing it or not, I feel like we're champions. If anybody is on the podium that's running our stuff, and and if they're running, if they're running our stickers and our billboard, you know, that's even that's even just as much. I'm not really that have that much of an ego that I have to be on the on the box or not. I'd always have wanted to be on the box and have been back in my younger days. But uh, anybody that's helping support us, it's on on a in a championship or a contender for the championship is, is a win for Brannick in my mind. And, uh, our future, I'd have to sum up all of our future into Brandon Haynes, Brandon Dino Haynes. <laughs> he is, uh, 
He's my main man, my rock. I don't know if any, you know, a whole bunch of you people out there have never worked with your dad. And I'm sure that I'm a royal pain in his butt a lot of the time. But uh, what is a real blessing to me is every morning we come in and it's a new day and uh, we have disagreements and I look forward to the the time in the future that uh, it's what he says, not me. Man, well, having known him for the same amount of time as I've known you, he, it's been very, you know, very cool to you know, surreal even maybe to see the shoes that he's filled and seeing him growing up from a uh, a business acumen, from a business minded acumen to uh, you know wrapping his head around the projects that you guys are bringing in the door. And, and, and the ideas that comes out of his head, um, hey, it's pr- pr- pretty, pretty cool stuff. On top of all that, he's a real smart guy. He's the main, our main programmer. He does all of our modeling. He is on it. We're shopping for a couple more CNCs right now. Brandon, run with it. You find out what the best thing we need. We could, we're, run, we, we're machining with some pretty old stuff. My old school mentality uh, makes me say, hey, if it's still making money, we got to keep it. But uh, his mentality is it's not efficient. It's slow. It's costing us, you know, it's costing us. And I'm finding myself being able to let go of that and and look at the aspect of being efficient, even though it's going to cost us and it's going to be a big chunk of money and, and uh, really kind of hurt for a second. It's going to make itself up. And uh, he sees that a lot quicker than I do. I'm ready to get rid of some of the dinosaurs that we're, we're using. The trouble is that getting rid of those dinosaurs, they are still good machines. It's being able to get somebody that wants them. You know, I, I don't want to make a bunch of money out of them, but I don't want to scrap them. And uh, sometimes that's the thing that holds up progress is holding on to the past. And I'm uh, slowly letting go of uh, that mentality. Yeah, I mean, the, the, moving from production to you know the, the hobbyist i guess for that equipment you know my you know i've got a 15 inch clausing lathe and i don't want it to be a cnc i don't want it to be i want it to be this yeah. full manual because i'm only making one part at a time but that's, that's actually right. part of the enjoyment for me is making that singular little item yeah uh, there, there's some bit of, but from a production standpoint i think when you look at you know, I guess globally that, or at least, you know, in the, in the States that you're, you know, one of your line items of cost in your business, you know, it's roughly 30 some percent is labor. And, yep. and if you can make efficiencies and reduce that labor cost and increase your margin, then at the end of the day, that's going to be better for the company, if not just better for your bank accounts, but you can take that time that you've now freed that, that labor capital up and you can spin it on to, a different project and uh, a new item. I'll tell you a, a prime example. I'm going to talk about this podcast for a second on this is my ability now that I've farmed out the editing. I've, I've freed up 10 to 20 hours of my week when I'm on the weeks that we're producing this show by farming out the editing to a guy there in Indiana. So I'm, I'm supporting the local Indiana economy. I love that a guy named Gary. He's awesome. But what it's done is it freed me up to go, uh, approach guys like you, you and Brandon about sponsoring the show, guys like Todd Stoffer uh, from Custom Supply sponsoring the show, guys like Jason Yode with Magnitude Performance and uh, and Mass Motorsports. Those guys, it freed my time up to go talk to you guys. And then now the other ancillary benefit of, of that was 
I have started re-listening to the show. Like it used to be you and I would record and then I would edit. I'd spend 10, 20 hours editing. So I've heard you talk a billion times. I've heard me talk a billion times and I'm done with like in my head, I don't, I can't take it anymore. Like I, I'm like, I've, I've, I've listened to it enough. I, so I would never listen to the finished product all the way through anymore. I've returned to listening to the show and oh my gosh, I, th- some of the people that, uh, that have been on are just freaking just blows my mind how amazing some of y'all are uh or all of y'all are that uh have agreed to agreed to get in on this thank you i couldn't i couldn't agree more um i'm just humbled and and honored to be walking among uh a lot of my heroes that you've uh you've brought to everybody wyatt and uh they're giants and there's so many more. I mean, there's so many. They exactly. I think you you said giants and walking amongst. Or we get to walk amongst them. Uh, they're just normal down to earth dudes, but doing great and amazing things and making great and amazing stories every day. And there's so many of them. There's so. I mean, it's when I look at my list, my target list. You know, I put down. You know, I'm going to do 12 episodes, so I put down who my 12 I think are going to be, and I kind of approach them. And then it, there's usually some little some things that move or change, but. During while that's going on, I love people reaching out going, hey, you need to interview this person. Hey, you need to interview that person. And some of them have been really great leads that I've ended up, you know, they weren't somebody who I was going to go after. But, yeah, that wasn't you, Stan. I swear, <laughs> you've got, you have got a fan base and you've got, you've got a cheerleading squad. You've got, I mean, so many people. And it wasn't like centric to Indiana. It was on a national scale people from California to all the way to uh, the East coast saying, Hey, what are you going to have stand on? <laughs> and so we got you. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really honored with that, but I will say why that the talent tank out there, you're never going to be, have a talent tank completely full because uh, it's always needing fuel. And uh, you've really picked a good venue to uh, showcase that for all of my friends and those that will be my friends I'm sure that when we meet, uh, you'll be my friend. I, I really, really strive to never make an enemy and you're doing a great job. I thought you were going to be, uh, we, we, we were going to have a problem, you know, cause I sold you a trailer. I sold you a feather light. <laughs> I, I sold you my old, my old race trailer. We meet in, uh, Texarkana, Arkansas. We met on the Arkansas yeah. side of the street, not the Texas side of the street. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, you take the trailer and you head uh, you head on back to Indiana with it. And then my car, my race car, was wide enough that it would fit through the door, but it liked to snag the cables, the 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 assist on the cables. And uh, I bent <laughs> one of those, and then it tore your hand up. Like you, you decide I'm going to repair it. I'm going to fix it. Why yeah. sold me this? Uh, broke trailer and you discovered what you knew, but you rediscovered what, uh, stored stored energy, energy. (laughs) (laughs) what stored energy can do to human flesh. Oh, it'll, it'll, uh, if you're not careful, it'll, it'll leave a mark. And it sure did on me. I, I ripped my hand open and how many stitches? Well, there was like 15 stitches, but they went like three layers deep. Oh, and, uh, so bad. Well, it it was my own dumb ass. I, I, uh, I knew about stored energy. I I've known about it all my life and I've known about garage door stored energy, but the way this thing was broke, I, for some reason thought one side of the spring, not having been uh, wound tight would relieve the other side. Well, that's not true. They're both wound individually. And, uh, 
I was taking the assembly apart to get straightened on a bar. All it was was a bent uh, axle bar across across the uh, the, the header. Back yeah. yeah, the header. And uh, I let the last bolt go. And luckily, I had my hand in the way of my face. <laughs> and uh, not that it would have hurt my looks any. I mean, it would. Uh, it might even add a little bit to it. But it it uh, it sent me to the hospital and like 15 stitches and uh it, it got me good it's probably the worst flesh wound i've ever got i'm i'm glad it was kind of a, a brain fart and not like a, a true senior moment yeah right okay. so i did i asked you what's next and uh it, is retirement in your future or are you one of those guys that's going to work until you die well, I've always, I've told a lot of people I'll be feet first out of here, I'm sure, but I want to shift gears a little bit. And I, I, I love road trips and traveling. I see maybe being the, uh, the spokesman at SEMA in a booth someday and going to events and setting up booths and doing that end of it and, and, uh, still promoting Brannock. A little windshield time with Marilyn. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, all of our life, we've talked about the motorhome and pulling a trailer and seeing the good old USA and Canada and Mexico in a, in a motorhome and why not do it and make a little coin doing it as far as going to events, SEMA, PRI, all the trade shows, you know, and, and, and kind of taking that lead in the, in the company. Retirement, I don't really like the word. It's changed profession, maybe. <laughs> maybe downshift a gear, right? Just grab yeah, a little bit lower gear. Yeah, yeah maybe maybe up gear a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> you know, I, I, but yeah, that's that's the future for us. I'm most excited about turning it over to Brandon to take 100% of it and not just a smaller percentage and being the brains behind everything and me just being support. Well, Stan, thank you so much for, for supporting me. Thank you so much for supporting the talent tank. Thank you for coming on today. I do look forward to seeing you in person every time I see you. Hopefully it's not all the way at King of the Hammers next year. Hopefully we all get back to work. Hopefully we all get back to racing. Hopefully we all get back out in the field here shortly and we get to catch up with you. But Stan, thank you for coming on. I greatly appreciate it. Value value your friendship and knowledge. Absolutely. And uh, I appreciate it a lot, Wyatt. And uh, tell all my friends out there that – um Everybody be safe, and I look forward to seeing you guys the next time, too. Vaya con Dios. Vaya con Dios. Yeah, wash your hands, stock up on your hand sanitizer. If you can find toilet paper, good on you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, th there it was. Stan Haynes, Branding Motorsports. We're out. I hope you guys really liked this episode. It was a really fun one to make, as usual. I really have to thank my, uh, my three partners on this. Custom Splice. Those guys, if you need anything for off-road recovery or even on-road recovery or any projects, please hit Todd and his crew up at uh, customsplice.com. Give them a call. Machining, oh my gosh, Brandon Machine, Stan and Brandon, those guys over there in Fort Wayne, Indiana, they do it all. If they can't make it, I don't know who can. If, if you need it made, they will do it. Hit those guys up. They're a big supporter of the Talent Tank, and I, uh, I value their involvement. And then last but not least, Magnitude Performance. Jason Yode and company there in Nacogdoches, Texas, and everything that they've done for, for the talent tank and getting behind and supporting this, uh, this venture and this project and everything, give them, give them a call for your suspension needs. These guys do magic with springs. And then the parent company, Mass Motorsports Engines, man, they have, uh, they have engines unlocked, hand-built, lots of horsepower. They're your guys. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you next week. 
Thank you for listening and taking a dive into the Talent Tank. Please like and subscribe on Instagram at the Talent Tank or our website, thetalenttank.com.